On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. They've not become more pronounced necessarily. I just think the fact that these issues continue to weigh on our members. There is still optimism among Iowa business leaders, just not as much as had been the case. Supporting rural initiatives in some 20 Iowa counties. And in our business profile, you'll meet the owner of a bakery that gives the community more than delicious products. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of October 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Each quarter, the Iowa Business Council surveys its members on expectations for sales, capital spending, and employment for the following six months. The latest survey was released at the beginning of this month. We connected via Zoom with Joe Murphy, Executive Director of the Iowa Business Council, for details. Our members are made up primarily of the largest companies in the state of Iowa. So you have to have a significant presence here in our state. You have to have a top-level executive, usually a CEO, and that person will then sit on our board of directors. So all in, we have about 190,000 member employees in the state of Iowa and more than $10 billion in payroll in the state of Iowa. So a, a huge driving force of Iowa's economy. You've done these quarterly surveys, and we call them quarterly, but what's unique is your members are projecting out six months at a time. You've done this for nearly 20 years, and as I look at the trending line, there was a big dip, obviously, tied to 08 and the financial issues we had then, another big dip with COVID, and there had been some recovery, but things are not as good. There's a bit of an erosion with regard to positivity right now, isn't there? I think that's the best way to, to say it, right? I mean, we are still projecting a positive level of economic sentiment for the next six months. But to your point, we're seeing that optimism decline or erode, particularly over the last three quarters, coming off nearly a high at the beginning of the year, January 1 of 2022. Since then, we've had three straight quarters of declining levels of optimism. And and that's obviously a concern for us as we think long-term, not just for the next six months, but for the next 12 or 18 months. You know, there's a series of national and international factors at play here. And uh, those situations are beginning to have a very large effect in the cumulative on Iowa's economy. What are some of the triggers in particular that your members have noted that might explain why there's this erosion. Again, still positive overall, but a bit of an erosion. Well, not to sound like a broken record on your program, but the number one issue that we always talk about is the workforce and the availability of a workforce. We are still well below where we were from a total population standpoint of Iowans participating in the labor force. Context for your listeners, we have about 40,000 people or so, 38,000 people less in the workforce today than we did in January of 2020. That's the size essentially of the city of Cedar Falls, right? And so, you know, the city of Cedar Falls disappears from the labor force. That's going to cause some extraordinary problems. And so we're seeing some people come back into the workforce month over month, but it's going to take some time. And so the labor issues continue to have a big dampening effect on our level of optimism. Supply chains continue to be pinched, particularly when you think about the war in Ukraine and how that's driving shipping lanes and and opportunities 
And then lastly, the big one is inflation. Of course, uh, energy costs being escalated because of the war in Ukraine and other factors, just the rampant inflation that we've seen highest levels in 40 years, really a key determining factor as we think about our levels of optimism moving forward. These are folks, your members, who run good, solid businesses, and so they probably have somewhat measured, or I would say conservative, but I don't mean that politically conservative, uh, plans with regard to spending money. And yet, with everything you just mentioned, as we look at expectation of capital spending, that's real live spending on infrastructure, on facilities, etc., between those who say no change and those who say they're going to spend more, that's a huge, huge number of the whole. And that's got to at least give you some cause for optimism. Yeah, it gives us some pause for optimism that they don't expect a huge decline necessarily. But as we calculate our numbers and our, our metrics here, we are 10 points below where we were from a capital spending metric this quarter than we were in the second quarter. So beginning causes of concern, members aren't saying that they're going to go out and spend a lot of money on capital investments, as you mentioned, technology, physical assets, things like that. So that is concerning as we think about it. I mean, it's not a negative number. Again, all of our levels of expectations here remain firmly in that positive territory. But when you look at the trend lines quarter over quarter, we begin to see some erosion, as we mentioned at the top of this. 35% of your members say they'll be spending more in the next six months, and 40% say no change. And so when I add those together, I get this big 75% number. But again, in context to what it was just last quarter, not as many people willing to commit dollars as had been the case when summer was just beginning. That's right. And so the point of optimism there is, is that we're staying even with the majority of our capital spending from an Iowa Business Council member perspective. That's not necessarily the case when you look at firms outside of our borders in Iowa, when you look at national firms or international firms as well, and are suffering to a greater degree some of these economic headwinds that we're facing. You know, Iowa has always fared better than the vast majority of states, and and that will hopefully continue this time. And our survey results indicate that that will again be the case. We won't be unaffected, but we will be able to fare better than the majority of, of the states in the country, and particularly those in the Midwest. Why is it that we in Iowa are better positioned to recover from some of these things or to not have them affect us as deeply? I suppose part of it is if you're a um, state that relies a lot on tourism, that's obviously a variable industry, et cetera. But why is it that, that Iowa is well positioned as opposed to our neighbors? I think the the biggest reason for that is our diversity within our economy, within our business sector. So our number one business component sector in our state is manufacturing. Greater than 17% of our economy is tied up within manufacturing. That's obviously a very high number. We're actually top five in the country for that percentage for manufacturing. But we're also quite strong in agriculture, as you would expect us to be, very strong in financial services and very strong in biosciences. So we have three or four or five industries really that take up a bulk of our economy. It's not variable in the sense that tourism is or other things like that. So that's one factor. The fact that our economy is well diversified, we're able to weather some of these storms much better. 
But I think the other thing is, is that our business leaders in this state, our culture as business leaders is to plan conservatively, make sure that they're making the best decisions that they can for their future growth of their companies, but then also take that long-term view and, and apply it across the board. We're not seeing major spikes or major dips among our membership. And, and that's really, I think, a prudent thing to keep in mind if you're a business leader in the state of Iowa. According to the latest quarterly survey of Iowa Business Council members, some 55% say they expect their level of employment to be higher than it had been the prior six months. I almost wonder if that number would be even more if they felt confident, because there's a big difference between I would like to hire and I expect the numbers to be there. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think this measures our, our level of optimism or expectations, and, and I think our members are looking across the spectrum and saying, well, if we want to move forward with our plans, we need to hire. We have 80,000 job openings statewide, not just Iowa Business Council members, but statewide in our state right now, and in about 40,000 people searching for a job. And so even if we were to employ all of those individuals among our labor force, we'd still be 40,000 jobs short. And so that really, I think, takes into consideration our notion of wanting to increase our talent pipeline into the state, bringing in people from outside of Iowa, have them move into Iowa, participate in our economy, really take advantage of, of what it is to, to be in Iowa and to live your best life. One of the more positive findings in the survey is the fact that a full 60% of your members say that sales will be higher in the next six months than the prior six months. So we may have issues where we're a little cautious on capital spending. We'd love to find more workers, but there's a level of robustness, if you will, with regard to sales that seems to be continuing. That's really a really interesting point. You know, when you look at while we are experiencing some some economic headwinds and we're expecting that to come to fruition soon, the interesting thing is is that the labor force continues to be very highly demanded, right? Companies are not issuing freezes or, or we're not laying people off as you would expect as you enter a recession. And the sales expectations, to your point just now, continue to be quite strong. And so that's really been the, the interesting thing that I wish I had truthfully a, a better answer as to why that is. That's a national trend as well, where demand continues to be very strong for goods and services and products. And that's obviously what the, the Fed nationally is trying to sort of tamp down. They want to cool the economy to get a better handle on inflation. I would say that sales metric that you just mentioned, the fact that it's so positive indicates that unfortunately, inflation will probably be here for some time. If that number were to be dramatically lower than the previous quarters, which it's not necessarily, that would probably be a welcome news for inflation because that would signify that demand is cooling off, but that's not necessarily the case. And I think when you look at national economic data, that point is made as well. Joe Murphy, Executive Director of the Iowa Business Council, online at iowabusinesscouncil.org. That's where you can find the full survey report, plus other information about Iowa's competitiveness as a home for business. You can follow them on Twitter at Iowa Biz Council. Still to come, funding for rural development and a business that inspires real-life hope. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
The Iowa Secretary of State wants you to get voter ready. The first step is registering to vote. You can do this online, through the mail, or at the polls on election day. Second, choose if you want to vote absentee or at the polls. You must request a mailed absentee ballot by 5 p.m. October 24th. Get more information and download your absentee ballot request form at voterready.iowa.gov. Tuesday, November 8th is election day. Polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Remember to bring your ID. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. Word came this past Thursday that more than $450,000 worth of grants were awarded through six separate Empower Rural Iowa grant programs in communities ranging in size from 381 to 9,416. Rural enrichment grants went to projects in cities including Columbus Junction, Dallas Center, Lorville, Hartley, Miles, Okaboji, Osceola, Polk City, Preston, Rolfe, and Slater. Projects included parks, fitness courses, splash pads, and paved trails. Housing assessment grants went to Decorah, Eldora, Elkader, Fairfield, and Shellsburg, while child care study grants were given to Madrid and Manning and Mahaska and Cherokee counties. Various other awards went to areas including New Hampton, Storm Lake, Rock Valley, Esterville, and Woodbine. For more information about the program, go to the Iowa Economic Development Authority's website, iowaeda.com. Coming up, helping others through delivering unique and tasty treats. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. This is Michael Swanger, owner of Iowa History Journal. With the return of college football, don't miss the story behind gridiron legends Jack Trice and Duke Slater in our September-October issue. Read the story of their incredible legacies and why their alma mater is Iowa State and Iowa. Play their football games on fields named after them. Add our story to your tailgate and get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Hy-Vee, Fairway, and iowahistoryjournal.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In our business profile, you'll hear from Donna O'Brien, founder of Bambinos, a bakery based in Waterloo. And as you'll hear, the business came out of unique circumstances, born of a desire to give back. So Bambino's is a bakery. We offer a full line of products. We have cookies, cakes, cupcakes, gourmet tortas, anything and everything imaginable. We customize anything. We started with our Bambino's stacked cookie and we've just grown and we opened a storefront in March. So now we have a full line of products and it's been fun. So describe the Bambino, your signature treat. So the Bambino came about because in 2008, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. Unfortunately, on my husband's birthday, November 17th, that's how I can always remember it. Shocked, of course, no family history, nothing like that. Finding out that it was stage three, I was going to require several surgeries. And then, of course, a lengthy chemotherapy treatment. So 
I would go to chemotherapy at the cancer treatment center every week. And I would see other people that didn't have a loved one with them. And it always made me feel bad. And then I would notice that it appeared to be a group or some type of an organization helping these women. And so I asked my nurse one day, I'm like, well, who is that group? Because I feel like I've seen the same people helping different people. So I knew it was probably more of an organization than family members. And they said, well, that's the Beyond Pink team. And she said, they're wonderful. They're a group of volunteers and they help women that are battling breast cancer, whether it's with rides to chemotherapy, rides to a job. If they don't have a vehicle, they help their children. We put beds in a home once because the children were sleeping on the floor, for example. And dad had left mom because she was diagnosed. So they did everything and anything. And they're fully funded by volunteers and grants. So I was like, wow, this is where I want to hook my wagon because I needed to do something to kind of get through that whole time. And I also love to bake. And so I'm like, okay, what could I do? I started out just raising money for them. So I would make cookies for them just to raise money at events and things. And I developed the Bambino because I wanted something different. I just felt like we didn't have anything unique and different around here at that time. So I was like, I want to come up with something different and unique. So I came up with the cookie and I was like, ah, let's do something a little different. And I was coming up with the cookie recipe and then trying to develop a frosting that would be unique. And my niece was staying with me at the time as she went to grad school at UNI. And so she would be my taster. And one day she just looked at me and said, that's it. And I was like, what? And I'd been writing down, like, add this to, you know, take this out, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, nope, that's perfect. That's it. So we liked the flavor profile. And so then I'm like, well, I'm Italian. Let's think about this. You know, let's call it a Bambino. We'll do it smaller because people love like an individual portion of something. So I decided to stack it, top it, and there you go. So that's how the Bambino became. Like I said, we just started raising money for the Beyond Pink team for different events. And then I started to get asked to do things. Hey, can you do my son's birthday party? Can you do this? I had dropped a box off to a gal that I worked out with at Farrell's and she and her husband had just had a baby and her husband called me and said, where'd you get these? I said, well, I make them. And he's like, really? And he said, well, I have a company and I was wondering if you could send these to all of my customers for Christmas. And I said, sure. Well, I didn't know that he, he did business with companies all over the United States. And it was about 500 dozen cookies. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I had to figure out, oh my goodness, how do I ship these? How do I do this? And we did. We came to figure it all out. And it was awesome because they still do business with us today. So we still ship all over. But that organically grew us because then people would call that got them and want to order them. And so we just kept growing, growing, growing. Then we got into some high V's. We had approached them and they said, absolutely. Then we grew from there. More people were asking. And then we started our Faces of Hope campaign. My good friend, Angie Dark, is a marketing genius. And so she came on board to help me out as far as how we went to market with everything and our look and our logo. And I mean, you know, she's been a godsend. And then I was fortunate enough to get a couple of people that had been in the baking business prior to come on board. And so that's where we've been able to grow our product mix. And then we said, hey, let's just open a storefront so that we can share in the community too. And it's just taken off. Every single purchase that leaves our store continues to get a generous donation to the Beyond Pink team. It's not just the Bambino, it's everything. I personally don't take any money out. I give everything to the Beyond Pink team. So that's been my mission because because I feel fortunate to be here. I had 21 lymph nodes involved out of 26. I had 16 surgeries, six months of chemo, almost 40 radiation treatments. So I'm like, you know what? I'm lucky to be here, pay it forward. And so that's where everything's at. How many staff at this point, now that it's a full storefront with uh, ongoing orders all throughout, not just the region, but nationally? 
we're lucky enough too to have volunteers from the Beyond Pink team that love what we do and they love to contribute their time as well. So between staff and volunteers, we have close to 20 people. It's really been fun to watch everybody thrive and grow. And like I said, we all know why we're there. If you come into the bakery, what our team sees on the wall next to the customers coming in is this is our why. And it shows the check we wrote last year. It's like just a big cardboard check that we framed that shows that this is our why so that we always remember why we do what we do. If you go to the website, which is bambinoslove.com, and you mentioned a bit ago Faces of Hope, and if you click on that, describe what we see there. So what you're going to see there are women who have either battled breast cancer or are battling it, and they're sharing their story. So we just want to not only bring awareness about the disease, but we want to put a face with it and show you different people at different points in their life. Some were very young when they were diagnosed, some were older, some had extreme amounts of treatment, some didn't have maybe as much, but still the battle is difficult regardless whether they say, oh, it's stage one or stage four, you have cancer. And it's a horrible thing to hear. So if we felt like if we could just bring awareness and help even one woman say, wow, she got through that. I can do this. Cancer is horrible. I don't care if it's breast cancer, colon, anything. And it doesn't discriminate. We've known women 20s on up that have been diagnosed with this horrible disease. So we wanted to provide faces of hope for people and say, hey, you know what? For me, for example, I was diagnosed almost 14 years ago and I'm still here and I was very, very sick. So it's just to provide a, a level of, hey, hope, and then let people share their stories. It's therapeutic for those women that are sharing their stories, too, to say, you know, wow, this was quite the experience, and this is how I got through it, and this is what I learned coming out of it. Donna O'Brien of Bambinos. Learn more online at bambinoslove.com. As you may know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And if you'd like to learn more about the organization Bambino supports, go online to beyondpinkteam.org. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.